Call America is a history podcast about what makes America great. I'm Carl Joseph Black, a Brooklyn native born into the cult. And I'm Lisa Charlotte, an Australian migrant who totally bought into it from afar. Each episode, we unpack the American way of life from an outsider's perspective, from the Pledge of Allegiance to American exceptionalism and more. We'll dive into the history and share our personal experiences, along with discussion of some actual cults along the way. Listen to Cult America on a Three Springs Media Network, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to That Brooklyn Film Show. I am Jabari. And I am Sabonjale. And today we will give a brief introduction about ourselves. Okay, so a little about myself is that I'm 26 years old. I graduated school in 2018 and I went to Brooklyn College Film School. Growing up, I've always had a love of film because we've seen pretty much a lot of different kinds of movies that many people our age weren't exposed to and probably shouldn't be exposed to (laughs) growing up. Um, I've always loved just movies of every genre from action films to romance to animated films. And I think part of the reason why I love it is that I've always been a artistic-minded person, and the fact that film is a all-encompassing medium that utilizes music, visuals, acting, and then the dozens of different roles behind the scenes from finance, it's just one of the few mediums where literally every other art form is involved in it. I think the only one that might be able to top it is video games because you add an interactive element that you don't have in film. But that's part of the reason that I love it. And yeah, what about you? Um, So I am Sabonjale. I am his younger sister, Jabari's younger sister. Um, So I graduated from Howard University in 2017 and I have my degree in computer science, which is a ways off from film. But I've always had a great appreciation for film just because growing up, I was exposed to so many different kinds of film from the big blockbusters to the, you know, rom-coms and the teen movies to even smaller films that our mother would take us to um, at places like the Brooklyn Academy of Music. They have a theater there. So we would go see movies there. We would go to like the IFC. We go to the movies in the park. Yeah, I still remember seeing um, Open Water to this day. Oh, God. I'm the one who said it was going to be bad and no one listened to me. Yeah, that was a movie. (laughs) It wasn't good. Um, but yeah, seeing things like Sin Nombre or, um, going to the movie in the park over at Brooklyn Bridge Park where we saw, remember seeing Invasion of the Body Snatchers from the the 19... I don't think I was there that time. Yeah. The 19, I think, I believe it was 1970 something version, um, that they played seeing like Wallace and Gromit and things like that. I think it was just so many different kinds of films we were exposed to growing up and then as I got older and I went away to school, I think I cultivated that more on my own with my friends and, you know, just kind of just growing that love of movie even while I was gone and all I wasn't focused on that in school, I knew that it was something that I enjoyed because, again, like as Jabari said, as an art form, it encompasses everything. You can go to the movies on days you want to cry because you want to see something sad or you can go on days you want to laugh and see a comedy or just something feel good. Um, that just, you know, lifts your spirit. You can get educated from movies with certain documentaries, even certain dramas you can get educated from. But I feel like film really encompasses a lot of things, and that's part of the reason why I love it. Um, And I think that ties into why we started a podcast on it, because even when we were younger, we would discuss films in more so than just like, oh, this movie was good, I like the story. We, like, really appreciated multiple aspects of the films and I think that's part of the reason why I decided to go to film school is because I enjoyed the breakdowns that we used to have when we were younger and that our parents forced it in us to look at things more than just like the whole but the sum of the parts as well Mm -hmm. and just that aspect of movies yeah and even I agree with that and I think even like right before we started the podcast we would do that we would go to the movies and then we would come back and for 30 minutes annoy everyone else in the house besides like 
our dad about yeah. um watching some different review w- sites and everything yeah like talking that. about movies and podcast what we thought this man and our differing opinions because we definitely do disagree on some movies um and even i have like one memory of going to the i think it was the ifc in manhattan and we saw that movie with the band about the band in i think it was a south american country and then after was the I movie there? yeah you were after oh. the movie played I vaguely the, remember the that. The band now. came and played, and then yeah. we went like to dinner to talk about it and stuff like that. So I think a lot of our memories are tied to going to the going theater, to the theater yeah. and ex- those kind of experiences. I remember going with mommy to the theater one time to see this movie about this Chinese delivery man. <laughs> and it was like a super independent movie, probably cost like twenty thousand, thirty thousand dollars. Yeah, but things like that, just random trips to the movies to see things that no one probably ever seen. I probably yeah. could never find that movie if I googled it. But yeah, yeah. And, we it was always like that so while we did go to like court street to see the big big movies um we would also go like i said to bam or something of the like somewhere that my mother found to see some movie that probably two people have heard of but somehow she found it through a new york times article or something like that and those are things i think that really for me personally grew my love for movies and made me want to start a film podcast and I like doing it with you because we do see a lot of movies together and um I know it's cool to do with family yeah I agree plus you don't get a lot of unfortunately a lot of black I mean we have so many like we have a black film renaissance going on right now with so many black filmmakers and stuff like that but you don't see as many like people on the critic side that are of people of color unfortunately yeah it's still a lot of um yeah, non-black people that are doing it. So I think it's good that we could give a different perspective mm-hmm. based on our experiences and upbringings that you don't get to see very often. Yeah, and I think also we're young as well. Yeah. So that's also a different perspective because I do feel like in the film market, you do tend to skew Cause when we get a into, bit older. Yeah, when we get into the favorite film parts, you'll definitely see that it probably differs from <laughs> yeah. what a lot of other people like. I when we were doing that, and he told me that we're doing um, our favorite films. I was sitting trying to rack my brain. I'm like, is there a movie I could pick from like the 1960s? I could sound real educated about movies because I feel like a lot of the, um, a lot of what we like or a lot of what resonates with us are probably newer movies just because that's, well, one, like something from even like the early 2000s will be older to us because we were young then. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, Versus something from like the 60s or the 70s is what you hear a lot of other film critics say because that's when they were growing up. That's like, the Star Wars, their Lord of the Rings or something, because that's what their first big epic yeah. was. I mean, even when I was at film school, I realized that a lot of people in the school's favorite movie were newer films, like from mm-hmm. the 2000s, because like you said, that's what we saw growing up. That's what's going to influence us. Um, people did appreciate the older movies. I have a lot of older movies that I love, but I still think that the movies that resonate with me most are the ones that are created during our formative years because of the fact that they're relevant to our times a lot of the time. Yeah, like, I, agree. I love a lot of older movies. Like Going with the Wind is might be I never seen it, but it might be a great film. No, but it's no, not. No, isn't no, it's very okay. Okay, no, I'm gonna disclaimer. Okay, so as he mentioned, we are black. For me, when I've heard of Going with the Wind before I saw it, it was just how it's like this great, amazing epic. And then when I saw it, it just was very racist. And I do have opinions about them censoring it. I don't necessarily believe that should happen. But I do think, like, it is a product of its time. Yeah. And I personally didn't enjoy it just because I'm, like, I feel like as a people, this isn't representative of us. But, yeah. like, Heidi McDaniel said, she could either play, you know, a slave or a maid in the movie or she could be one in real life. So yeah. that's kind of where that, you know, those kind of roles came in. But I personally, I just, I did not enjoy it. But yeah. go ahead. Yeah. So I use Casablanca as an example, man. Yeah. <laughs> Is that it might be a great film, but the movie is just not as relevant to our time as a movie like Get Out might be. So it's easier to resonate with movies that are relevant to what's going on in society today and different techniques that's been developed over time and whatnot. Because things, as films are made, filmmakers learn from the films that were made in the past. So they continue to improve on things and get better at things. I mean, not say get better, but... Tackle it from a different angle. Yeah, yeah, different perspective. Yeah, so with that being said, I don't want to go right into the favorite film part. Let's talk about our favorite genre since that 
is more all-encompassing than favorite films. So what are some of your favorite genres and why? Um, so some of my favorite genres are drama films, but there's like a specific kind of yeah, genre. Yeah, I was about to say, that's such a broad... Every yeah. film could, could be considered a drama in some way. So in what do you way. mean by drama? So I personally like the kind of new kind of dramas that we're seeing, like the A24S, yeah. you know, very indie, very small kind of dramas where it's focused, you know, on people in like their lives as opposed to, um, I guess, like a big moment in history or something, you know what I mean? So like something like a waves versus a King's speech where, I mean, King's speech was focused on a person, but it's the King of England versus like, this is a slice of a person's life during this moment in time with waves or something like the Florida project. So I think for me, those are the kind of films that hit me more. So than like the big loud dramas, you know what I, I mean? I was going to talk about that in my section as well, but it's, um, Something that the creator of The Last of Us said is that he enjoys simple stories or complex characters. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what you're getting at is that like it may not be like a Star Wars space opera with a mm -hmm. ton going on, complex worlds and everything. It's like simple stories like you said with waves, like this football players having mental illness issues. What's that going to lead to mm -hmm. pretty much? But it's com very complex characters that are being explored and dissected in these films. The next one, which is of, I think it's a variation of a drama, but I think it can also be a comedy. Um, it's the coming of age movie, though that's like one of my favorite genres, and I think it's because it's so. It's a it's a story that a lot of people can relate to because you know you're young and then you go through something that kind of matures you. Um, and I think those can be really interesting stories to tell. And with modern versions, so you can think of something like Lady Bird. Um, for me, I really like the Little Women that just came out, but I also think of the 1994 Little Women. Yeah, I think of like the 1994 Little Women. Or if I'm thinking of, you know, a comedy, I might think of something that just came out a couple years ago, which is something like Blockers, or even in animation, you have Into the Spider-Verse, which is very much a coming-of-age movie, while it's also a superhero animation film. Yeah. And I think that that's like the true spirit of a coming-of-age movie, where it's just like the story of a person who is growing into themselves, they're becoming themselves. And while it's my favorite genre, one thing I do wish to see as we go forward and as we continue to progress is more coming-of-age films about characters of color um, because I feel like we have just as dyna dynamic stories to tell. And we have childhoods, too. And we have childhoods, too. We don't all, you know, just grow up. Or if it, they, they do exist, but a lot of them are struggle films. Yeah, and I want I more than that. that. I feel like Waves was a good example of... I mean, <laughs> it was a struggle film. It was a, it was a partial struggle film. Yeah, but I mean, like, initially it was just, like, you know, these middle-class black kids... And also, coming up in the world. with Waves, apparently the director didn't write it for a black family in particular, which I yeah. feel like is another important thing. I think thing, that's a is that, good thing, though, yeah. because it's not like black people... I mean, we do have our unique experiences because of the race and the, and the complexity of people. race in the country, but at the end of the day, we're still just people. And when a lot of that is like not present, then you just have these people growing up and living their lives. Mm -hmm. And I think that's... A, I didn't know that, but that's a good thing to know because... It makes sense. Like, I can see that now that you mention it. Yeah. Because you do have aspects of... I mean, it's not a review of ways. We talk about it a lot. Right. <laughs> you, do, you do have aspects where race was included. Like, the father talking about the, to the son about, oh, you know, being a black man's hard. Mm -hmm. But other than that, it's really not that present. Yeah. And I found that interesting. I think that waves also just happens to be encompassed of the first two genres I spoke yeah, of. So I agree. Um, the next one is comedy films. I mean, who doesn't like a good comedy film? Yeah. Um, you got Airplane, which is like, you know, one of the best... So you mean more like a slapstick, slapstick comedy? comedy? Well, okay. it's more than that. Um, I have like My Cousin Vinny up here for what I think of when I think of comedy. Super bad, which I always get mad about because it took me so long to see it because 
my brothers went to see it with my dad and then after they got back it was i was told i couldn't see it and that really upset me i mean honestly we shouldn't have been seeing that either that I was think a grown movie i think that's why it's because y'all shouldn't have seen it but yeah. y'all already saw it so you couldn't it take it late. back yeah you can't but then it. i was blocked so i just feel like it's because i was a little bit younger than you guys and yeah. i'm like that's not fair um but that's like another example for more recent comedies like 21 and 22 jump street um which were both like i don't know comedy is something you go to a lot that's a yeah comedy is a broad topic because those two kind of comedies are very different like airplane from 22 jump street i don't know what kind of what even considered 22 jump street the super bads of the world like what what kind of comedy is that yeah yeah, those are kind of like i mean super bad is kind of like a coming of age comedy if you want to look at it that way yeah i mean even like girls trip yeah stuff like that um but no, I get what Those are like saying. buddy comedies, I think. Yeah, buddy comedies. Is yeah, a good word and then for Air, it. Airplane is like slapstick, and I feel like that evolved yeah. into like the scary movies and the date nights, and yeah, we got to talk about that too much. Um, yeah, those aren't good, but the initial one was really good. The next one is I I have two more, and then that, but the next one is feel good comedies or not feel good comedies, sorry, feel good movies, which I thought of that because I thought of Paddington too, and how when I was watching Paddington two, I was really just happy. Yeah. Because everything about like sometimes you just want something nice. You don't want, you know, any any real sadness and like Paddington too hadn't touched upon it, but everything was just like finding the good in everyone and everything and even I don't wanna spoil the movie so I won't say, but even in certain things that happened in Paddington, he went there and he found the good in things. So I feel like those kind of movies are like what I look for. So, Jabari, now, like, what are some of your favorite films or film genres? Yeah, so I only did two. I just did my two very favorite. And you talked about it a lot. Um, I wrote it down as slice of life dramas. Cause I think that's a better in word. Anime, I know in anime, it's called a slice of life movie. It's like the movies that are, I mean, not the movies, the anime shows that are um, just like coming of age stories. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of an example of one like um, Toradora, The Girl Who Left Through Time. Just like we talked about earlier, simple stories with complex characters, because I've always been someone that prefers the the um, character development aspect of storytelling more than the complex world. So I think that with Slice of Life, you get you sometimes you get the best of both worlds. You get the complex characters. You get any genre basically you want. So it's a very broad topic because you can have a comedy slice of life. You can have a um coming of age story slice of life you could have a action slice of life so it's very broad but those are the movies that i tend to enjoy a lot and second i wrote that horror is my second favorite genre because i feel like the genre of horror you're able to tap into psychological elements better than most other genres because the i think horror is pretty broad though do you have like a specific kind of horror uh, I guess psychological horror. It's, I don't want to say it's a new genre, but it's a genre that is being explored a lot more now than the slice, what do you call them? The, like um, the slasher movies. Slasher, yeah. yeah. Those kind of movies. So movies like Get Out and um, Midsummer. Uh, Hereditary. Hereditary. Um, the one uh, by the guy who did The Lobster. I don't know if he counted it as a horror film. Oh, but The Killing has of the horror. Sacred Deer. Yeah, The Killing of the Sacred Deer. Those A24 very much horror films are some of my favorites because I feel like they, they're all about being tense more than being scary. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's very real to the world is that we live in a world that's different now. It's not like back in the day where we have to be scared of a tiger because movies like Jason and Freddy, they tap into our innate fears of being like, killed by things because that's what our ancestors still like feared like you go out to get a fruit from the woods <laughs> you might it. not come back because the bear might like, yeah <laughs> bear might murk you but today it's more so the society like living up to society's expectations and living up to your friend's expectations and all those stresses of the world are shown in those kind of movies like get out's a perfect example is that it utilizes our fear of like systematic racism and not fitting in and stuff like that to tap into it modern day innate fears and mm-hmm. i love movies that do that midsummer is another one too is one that it taps into modern day fears like mental illness is a very big topic in horror films now because those are things that we're combating and i think you can see that through like the evolution of horror movies 
because you had move you had a time where you had a lot of movies like The Exorcist and yeah. The Omen and you know a lot of satanic heart like horror movies. Then you get to the slasher genre. Yeah. Then you get to the hauntings. And now we're at a place where it's more psych- psychological than anything. Yeah, because back in the um, it's a whole topic we get into like the evolution yeah. of the horror movie, but. Yeah, just the genre in general is one of my favorites because I like psychological specifically how it tackles issues that many other movies are unable to. With that being said, let's get into our list of favorite movies. Now for mines, I don't really have a list per se. I just have a bunch of movies that I like a lot. I don't really like, I mean, I know my favorite movie of all time, but I don't have like uh this is my first favorite movie this is my second favorite movie this is my third favorite it like cycles so much Mm -hmm. that i really didn't write it down as like a ranking oh same i have a rotating list of movies that just stay you know in the in the zeitgeist of myself um that i really like but you could yeah start your okay so um i'm just gonna i'm gonna do my four or five favorite movies and i'm going to start with my all-time favorite movie which is Mad Max Fury Road. And the reason that that is like my all-time favorite film, no close second, is because I feel that Mad Max Fury Road is the perfect movie movie. Now, it's not like the best story or the best acting or anything, but I feel like it it takes every aspect of what like makes a good movie from like action to set design to costume design to editing to music to... um camera work cinematography and i feel like it does all of that so well that it makes it in my opinion the perfect movie like if you alien came to earth and it was like what is this movie like what is this thing y'all call movies i feel like that's the movie you should show them because of how much it encompasses of the whole genre and that's why i think at the oscars it won literally almost all of that behind the scenes stuff is because of how well it utilizes the technical aspects of filmmaking and as someone you know who went to film school a lot of that stuff doesn't get a lot of credit like no one goes to the movies like oh i can't wait to see who designed this costume and i think that those people put in a lot of work and they deserve a lot of credit so i feel like when they do a superb job it should be recognized and i feel like mad max took all of the stuff that a lot of people don't think about and put it all together so well that it lifted the whole movie up. And I feel like that deserves a lot of credit. Yeah, Mad Max to me is a very good movie. It's definitely up there for me. I wouldn't say it's my favorite movie of all time. But I do see where all of your sentiments come from. For me, I went about a little bit of a different approach with um, saving some of my favorite movies. Which, they're not really ranked. They're just movies that are like near and dear to me the movies that I really love and that kind of a lot some of them form my opinions on movies so the first one that I have is the Lord of the Rings trilogy and I know it's not one movie I'm about to say that's cheating I'm, I'm cheating here a little bit I'm counting it as one one long epic okay um and I feel like it it's to me the perfect adventure movie the perfect fantasy movie you have, you know, this big story. You have these huge sets. And to me, everything about it aged so well over time. And the reason I say, I can, I'll can i say, like, one big movie as opposed to something, say, like a Harry Potter series or a Star Wars or something like that, is even the fact that they filmed it all at once. You know, they didn't... They didn't really take breaks or anything they didn't like take a that. Break. It was it just was shot as, like, it shot was one as movie. One long movie and then split up into pieces. So... It, at the conclusion, which is why I think Return of the King won the best picture, it feels like a true conclusion to this series. And like I said, the story works so well. You have so many different aspects going on. Um, You have like a hero's journey and multiple different characters. You have the, the villains and the... I don't... I just... When I think of Lord of the Rings, I just like... I really like it. I it's mean, an immersive world that's it, very big. Yeah, and thank I feel you like for helping me out here. It's very similar. It's similar in a way to Mad Max. And when you ask a lot of people their favorite movies, they tend to go for the bigger epics like 
Star Wars, Jurassic Park, Lord of the Rings, like you said. And I think that's, like I said with Mad Max, is because those are like movie movies. Mm -hmm. They take every aspect of what makes something like, uh, like you can't make those movies in any other genre. No. Because of, they need, they have million dollar um, sound budgets and then million dollar production budgets. They have million dollar um costume budgets and then they take all of those aspects and then put them together to make one to create epic, this unique this epic, yeah. genre that we call movies and for me something so lord of the rings like i said i think of movies as things that i grew up on um and lord of the rings is one of the movies that i grew up on to this day i'll have like marathons of it um maybe twice a year or something and I don't know why, you know, growing up, they our parents introduced us to a lot of movies and a lot of different trilogies like Star Wars and, you know, Indiana Jones. And none of those ever resonated, resonated with, with me the same way as Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. And to this day, I think that it's a movie that aged so well because of a lot of things like the use of practical effects. And, you know, you don't have these huge, big CGI set pieces. I mean, there is CGI used in a movie, but it feels like a it truly feels like a world that's lived in and it just works so well and they make you care about almost every character that you encounter so you know when you're meeting Gandalf the White you're truly excited that he's coming back into the picture or when Sam and Frodo have a a rift it's like oh no why is this happening you can see that the ring is taking control in the way that it it's it's taking its hold on him and that's causing a rift in their friendship and he's able to be manipulated because of this weight that he's carrying and you feel that throughout the movie and I think that's why it works so well and like I said it spans across all three movies and when I think of ranking Lord of the Rings I have such a hard time because I feel like all of them have their strengths in their own ways and it's like a cumulative thing that together makes it so great it's like they didn't flop once in any of the movies you know what i mean yeah no i definitely agree so the second movie i have on my list is mean girls and i'm just realizing that every movie that i have is like i have them as my favorite for like a very different reason it's not like there's a theme of like this is my favorite mm -hmm. this is my favorite and the reason that i selected mean girls is because it's a movie that i could literally watch over and over again and I never get bored of it like I've seen that movie probably dozens of times at this point and it's never gets boring like the jokes always land the characters are always fun to watch and be around and you feel like you're in that world for the short moment that you're watching it and it's like you were saying earlier it's just a feel-good movie mm -hmm. and I feel like that is part of the reason that I put it on my list because it's like it's one of those movies that no matter when you watch it or what kind of mood you're in it puts you in a good mood and then it's just a good movie in general like the writing is good um it has memorable characters it has iconic one-liners and i feel like those aspects of are very important to what makes a good movie as well i think that with mean girls it's one of those movies that is slowly becoming a classic as more time goes on because like you said it it's iconic it has the one-liners it has all of the things that are so memorable from it that, you know, still get quoted to this day. Um, and I think it's one of a few movies from that time because I feel like the early 2000s, you had a lot of those kind of movies coming out, but somehow Mean Girls was able to stay relevant even till now. And it's just a really funny movie. What's your favorite Mean Girl quote? Um, the... Gretchen Wiener's one where she was like, we could totally just stab Caesar. <laughs> that part. I don't remember the whole quote, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. So what's the next movie on your list? Uh, the next movie on my list in the spirit of staying in the feel-good realm, I had a hard time for this one because I, I knew that I wanted to pick a Studio Ghibli movie um, because I feel like a lot of his works, not all of them because like, I know you have something coming up that's a little bit of a doozy, but um, <laughs> most of his films to me are feel good, even if they have those ups and their downs. And for me, it was a battle between Spirited Away and Howl's Moving Castle. Mm. And I think ultimately I'm landing on Spirited Away. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
And I think that just watching, that's one of the movies that you can put on at any time and you can just watch it. And watching Chihiro's story of, it's also like it's a coming of age movie of a girl who's moving away, who she's, she's lost and she's lost in a world that she doesn't know and she has to learn how to navigate it. Um, but you also have these visuals. Like that's, I think my favorite part about Studio Ghibli movies is yeah. just the visuals, the big tears, the the food that looks so real, the, yeah. you know, she gets scared and you can literally see everything on her stand. Yeah, there was ever a time we did like best visually impressive movies of all time. I think that Spirited Away deserves a place on there because everything about that movie is beautiful from, from the shots to the um, colors and like you said, the food looks good. Everything about that movie is just like, it's a visually pleasing movie, which I think plays into a very big part of the reason why it's such a feel-good movie as well. Mm-hmm. Because like you said, it's just a movie that you, like, it's a scary, like, it's a scary situation that she's in, Yeah, but, but it never, never feels, feels like scary, scary. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, this is a bit odd, but it's also like, it taps into that sense of wonder that we also have as well, mm-hmm. where it's like, you're exploring this new world that's very unique and interesting to the Japanese culture, and I like that about it a lot, too. And, like, throughout the movie, you... It never... if Like, it, there is, like, a sense of fear or... Because she is alone in this world that she doesn't know, but along the way, she meets people who are deliberately trying to help her, which I think makes it a bit better because she's not just this girl alone. Even though she's new to these people, they go out of their way yeah. to kind try and make it so that she's not stuck and then you see the goodness in her with certain actions that she does and i think that's what makes ultimately makes it a feel-good movie because while like again while there are aspects of it that are like genuinely scary it never feels that way because of the wonder and the goodness in a lot of the characters that you have within the film yeah almost everything ends in a good note like even the monster that was like just devouring everything ended up becoming a a spirit. I forget what kind of spirit he was. It was a river spirit, I river believe. River spirit, yeah. Mm-hmm. So everything kind of ends in a very good way. And that's a lot. You get a lot of that in Ghibli films. Mm-hmm. But on my next film, you don't get that. <laughs> which is Grave of the Fireflies. And pretty much for every reason that you said. Not every reason, but a lot of the reasons why you said you like Spirited Away. Is that it's just a beautifully animated film. Japanese filmmakers have this technique which they call the pillow shot which is a cutaway to ordinary things to establish the world and put you in the world. And Ghibli utilizes these shots a lot. And that's one of my favorite aspects of uh, Grave of the Fireflies is because it puts you in the shoes of, quote-unquote, the enemy during World War II. Because most films about World War II is like you get one massive battle of one side, which is the good guys, which is us, the allies, versus... The other side, which is the um, Axis power. I believe so. And I think that what Grave of Fireflies does so well is that it shows you that at times of war, there's really no good guys versus bad guys. It's just all bad for the people in the middle of it, which is the civilians. And in Grave of Fireflies, you had this fairly, like, I guess, middle-ish class family whose life was turned upside down because of the war. And in their mind, the Japanese soldiers were the good guys, and they were like, root for them, and their father was a soldier, they kept waiting for him to come back, even though, spoiler alert, it came out in 1990, what, it came out in 1980-something, actually, it's crazy, that the father was dead, but they kept talking about him as if he was alive, and he was going to come back and save him, and then the emotional, like, the slow buildup of trauma in this movie is probably, in my opinion, the best that it's ever been done in a movie because it's like one of the first movies I ever cried in because of how subtle it was. Like, similar to Moonlight, like, it was a very subtle technique that they use in order for you to be put in the shoes of the character because, spoiler alert for the end of the movie, one, two, three... When the younger sister dies in a movie, it's not really like thrown at your face where it's like, oh my God, she's dead. It's a very subtle, they do it in a kind of a, um, in a way that, that 
once they show you that the sister has died, something that I've never seen in any other movie is that they show her in flashbacks of when she's at her happiness, her happiest. And that in that moment, it it shows you that the impact of the war like is completely negative because you're seeing her like this girl was starving. She had no family, but she's still just being a kid, like chasing butterflies, chasing frogs. Um, swimming in the pond. This is all why her brother is going, stealing for her, trying to find food. And it shows you that these people are just kids who are caught in a situation that's out of their control. And I feel like, at least in any movie I've seen, I've never seen a movie that conveys what it's trying to do as well as that movie does. Um, yeah, I actually never seen Grave of the Fireflies. Oh, wow. So I got spoiled there too, but it's okay. Um, so that's a movie that you got to watch now. I know. <laughs> it's a superb film. Um, you've told me about it before. I've just not, never gotten around to it. But amongst your discussion of this, you did mention my next pick, which is Moonlight. Mm. And to me, Moonlight is just a superb piece of filmmaking. Like, I've never been to a movie before, so I don't cry easily in movies. Um, but I have cried in movies, but I've never been to a movie before where after the credits roll, I started crying because of the emotional hit that I just took watching that film. Yeah, no, I definitely understand that. Um, and not only is it emotional, it's a gorgeous film to look at. Like we were speaking of like how films are getting more diverse now. I don't think I know that like black films exist. But I don't know if I can remember one that framed blackness just so beautifully. Like yeah. the way the lights would hit um, little and just the way that these people are viewed. It was just gorgeous, like a gorgeous piece of film in general on top of the acting and just going through this boy's life. And then one of the things is just like you have a movie where a character is played by three different actors throughout the course of his life, yet somehow each actor manages to embody him so perfectly. You know, like, I never felt like I was looking at a different character, although these actors don't necessarily favor each other so much. But, but the way they act is the so close act. and similar, the mannerisms, that it mm -hmm. feels like it's all, like, one character. And yeah, I agree. Just, like, his internal struggle from when he was a kid asking why he was called the f-word by someone and if that's what he is and Mahershala Ali's character who is supposed to be like this you know drug dealer mm -hmm. is comforting him and being like you choose who you are don't let anybody tell you that um in Janelle Monet as well and it's very um it's it's kind of a a role that is contradictory to what you see in real life because with the role that Mahershala Ali was playing tends to be like he was like a drug dealer. I'm guessing he was very macho. Mm -hmm. And you would assume that he was not, he would not be supportive of Little's homosexuality. And I think that by making him an ally was unique in that it just isn't something that she would have assumed would be the case. And I kind of like that because it may not be the reality for a lot of people in that situation. But it creates an image of what a black man in that in that culture can do to be supportive of other black people who aren't exactly the same as you sexually, but are the same as you culturally. Yeah. And then going throughout the rest of the movie, um, one thing that stood out to me is the score, the score in the soundtrack. Um that's like I listen to I don't listen to a lot of movie soundtracks but that's one of them that I will you know go back and listen to because it's just so beautiful and he's the same person I believe who did the score for If Bill Street Could Talk as well yeah. and that's, that's another soundtrack. one that's su superb yeah um and then just like the way they framed things is I'm thinking of when um in the his last iteration I think that's when he's called Black he goes to visit Kevin and the way that they frame his face and then the way they frame Kevin in the back cooking and then the music playing, which is like Hello Stranger, I believe, by 
Barbara Lewis. And it just, everything is encompassed so perfectly in the in that shot and in the shots throughout the movie. And it builds to such a great movie. Even like when he goes to see his mother again and that scene where she's like yelling at him, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's a beautiful movie and it's definitely up there for me. Like, at, I mean, obviously this is my favorite movie list, so it's up yeah. there for me, but it's just, it's so good. Well, it's next on my list too. So I'll get into some of the reasons why I like it. It's like you said, it's just an all encompassing film I'll go back to my um, analogy of like what you would show to an alien if they came down to Earth and asked, what is this thing y'all call movies? And I feel like Moonlight is, Mad Max is like production-wise, it uses every aspect of production in order to create this film that is like a movie movie to me. But what Moonlight does is that it takes like every aspect of film and perfects it. So like the writing is so good, the cinematography is perfect, the music is perfect. And it does that, in my opinion, to create one of the few few perfect films that have ever been created in that there's not really any critique I have of the movie. Like, I, don't, I can't think of any negative aspects of that film because it was so good. Like, all the actors were good. Their lines, deliveries were good. The writing was superb. And another thing what great writing does is that it utilizes silence in a way to build tension and make the movie even better. And Moonlight is a film that you probably... It doesn't have, like, a ton of dialogue, but it utilizes, like, cinematography to help tell a story. And there's one thing that you said about it being one of the best films that uh, photographs black people. I think the only movie that might be better is Mother of George. I don't know if you've ever seen that one. Mm -hmm. That was shot by someone who actually went to Howard named Bradford Young. He did like a rival. A, yeah, he did a rival as well. And I think he did Selma as well. He's, like to me, the best at photographing black skin. But the cinematographer for Moonlight, it was just a gorgeous film and how everything, all aspects of the movie was just perfect in my opinion. So speaking of screenplays and like useful silences in film, my next film is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And to me, that's another film where it's so much about the emotion and it's about humanity and although it has sci-fi aspects it it doesn't feel like a sci-fi kind of film it feels like a human film you know and essentially the premise is what if you could erase someone who you once dated who you were once in love with what if you could just erase them from your life and never know them and we watch as joel played by jim uh carrey goes through this process of erasing Clementine played by Kate Winslet. He said Joel and Clementine. I'm thinking of um, Joel, Joel from The Last of Us. And Clementine, and Clementine from, from The Walking, Walking Dead. Dead yeah. <laughs> like that combo <laughs> actually fits because they're both in like apocalyptic world. It just, it just crossed my mind. It would be funny if Clementine was like the Ellie and Joel had a racer. But that was just something that crossed my mind. You <laughs> can continue. Yeah. Um, so... I think that this movie is so effective because I think part of it shows, one, that memories are integral to who you are. And as much as something might hurt at the time, you might not really truly want to erase what you think you want to erase, you know? Because that's how, I mean, one, I like the way the movie explores time because you're jumping back and forth and you don't know when are you in Joel's head, when are you in the real world, what's going on now versus then. Um, and just when you're in Joel's head and seeing him as he gets further and further into this process of erasing Clementine, realizing that I truly don't want to erase Clementine, but I've already started this process, so what can I do? But try and hide, try and stop it, but knowing that you can't really stop it. And then I'm going to, uh, spoiler alert again, one two, three, um, just knowing at the end that they decide that, because, okay, so what happens is they meet again. And Joel and Clementine, Joel and Clementine, meet, Clementine again? meet again okay. after they both erase their memories because Joel erases his memories as a kind of to get back at Clementine for erasing hers. Um, so they meet again. They don't know each other this time. And when they, after they spend this day together, they go back 
home and they have these tapes that another character has sent to them from their sessions about why they want to erase and where to erase it and all of those things. And it ends with them deciding that they're going to try again. And it's so they're going to try to date again. Yeah. And it's so interesting because it's like, essentially, you know, that this is headed for failure because you've done this before. You've tried this before and it didn't work and you know, it's not going to work out. Literally you've erased each other from their memories, but the human part of them is so like, let's try. And I think that's what makes it so much more interesting than just like a general, I guess, sci-fi movie or general romance Romance movies because it's saying all that we know, all these emotions that we've had to the point that we literally said, I'm going to take you out of my head. Uh We're still going to go back and give this another chance. And that to me, that's what made the movie feel so human and feel so, you know, good and i think that one of the aspects that makes you seeing them wanting to try again even as you see it sitting see it getting bad in joel's memory is the fact that although it was getting bad he's still working so hard to keep it as opposed to letting it go your description i never seen internals sunshine Sunshine the spotless mind but based on that description it kind of reminded me of you know when you said they're going to try to get together again even though they know they know it's going to fail is in Watchmen TV show mm-hmm. when Dr. Manhattan was like, we're going to date for 10 years, but at the end, we're going to break up. Yeah. And it's like, maybe just that moment, like the moment that they are together and are happy is worth the heartbreak in the end. And, and it kind of sounds like that's what the theme of the movie is. Like, yeah, it hurts. The breakup hurts and you may not want to experience it, but it's more so about the journey mm-hmm. than the final destination. Yeah. And that's, I got to see it still, but that's kind of what I'm getting from the theme of the movie based on your explanation. Yeah. And another movie that I liked so much, it's not on my list, but just speaking of the whole concept of time and everything is Arrival and learning that everything you're seeing with her daughter and knowing that, again, we're going to spoil this movie, spoiler alert, one, two, three knowing that her daughter is going to die in the future, but yet still choosing to have that child is like the same concept. It's do you sacrifice the, do you sacrifice what the potential of something? No, because you know, it's going to have a bad ending or do you still know that something's going to have a bad ending, but then take the time that you're given and enjoy that time. While you have it. Yeah. No, I definitely get it. I mean, I didn't like Arrival as much is because the reason that you didn't like it when you talk about the, um, well, you said it's similar. I mean, we're not doing a review of the Arrival, but yeah. <laughs> complex stories just bugged me. And that movie was complex to me. Really? I when, like when you just said that her daughter was going to die in the future, went over my head while watching. I yeah. just did not get the whole, like time jumping and whatnot. It just confused me. It was because it's essentially that time became circular. Because of the language. I I get it, but to it, me, yeah. that's what it reminded me of. Because they I was, talk a language, so they see Yeah, that. but that's what it reminded me of when I was watching it, because I realized, like, oh, wait, all of yeah. this stuff that she's seeing is the future. So when, in the end, she chooses to get with uh, Jeremy Renner's character, she's choosing to go down this path that she know will lead to a daughter and then a death and then, you know, all of those things. But she chose it anyways because knowing you can't you don't want to stop your future just because you know it's going to end poorly because then you're like just blocking i'm all for trying new things but (laughs) that movie just ain't resonate with me (laughs) but um so the last movie i have on my list i have two films and i'm not gonna i'm gonna pick one but i'm just tell you why i have two films on my list is one i have alien which to me is like i just love the movie alien and I don't know if you've ever seen it. you ever seen the original Alien? No. Okay, yeah. That's just a great film. Like, it's well shot. It, um, what I love about the movie is that, very similar to um, what you said with Waves, the original role for Ripley was initially written to be a male lead. And they just cast a Sigourney Weaver in a role, and it worked out perfectly. Now, the character of Ripley kind of became a cliche of the tough woman character over time. But back when the movie was released, it was very bold because women, unfortunately, at the time were not allowed to be seen as tough and to ever be seen in a masculine light. So I like how they took the risk of putting her in that role and how she just took it and made her own thing. 
and the also the shots were well done the artistic direction of the alien is iconic in general but the second movie i have is eraserhead and it's for a much different reason it's because i hated the movie eraserhead when i first seen it but sometimes i realize about film is not whether about you like it or not but how it resonates with you mm-hmm. and after i seen eraserhead that movie literally sat with me for like a month and I could not figure out why. So I kept looking up movies of like, um, I kept looking up reviews of Eraserhead and people were like, I hated this movie so much. I hated this movie so much. And then I realized that the movie was made in a way for you to feel uncomfortable constantly. And I hated it is because I felt tense watching the movie consistently because what they do in the movies, they have this technique where they um have a sound of a factory constantly be playing in the background. So you always feel uneasy. And it just... It constantly um, stimulates your senses. Sounds very Lynchian. It's very it's a David yeah it's a David Lynch movie. It's very Lynchian. So your senses are constantly being um, stimulated, but in a way to make you feel uncomfortable. And once I read about that, I'm like, wow, that's insane that these films are able to m- manipulate you and control how you're feeling in that way, based on just using the techniques of filmmaking. And I think that made it one of my favorite films is because. While I didn't like the film, the techniques that it's used to me are something that you could take and be like, okay, so with filmmaking, you can control what the viewer feels by doing things to mess with them psychologically. And I think that, in general, is a really, really unique thing to do. Um, I, I know those are two movies oh, you didn't see, so... Yeah, it's kind of hard yeah. for me to comment. So, for my last pick, I I have so I, I just have a bunch of films, and I'm gonna go with just a random one um, because I have so many movies I think that resonate with me, and I think I just think of more and more, you know, films as it goes on. And my final one is The Departed, and for me, I I thoroughly enjoyed The Departed just based off of pure, I don't know, I don't normally like action-packed movies or action movies, but I feel like not only was it an action movie, it was a good drama as well. And then seeing how these two men, their lives are so intertwined and they don't even know it. And I think that's an interesting concept where this one kid is a cop, but he comes across as a criminal. So they enmesh him in that criminal world. And the other one, he's a criminal, but he looks clean cop, cut. Yeah. So he is enmeshed in the cop world. And then they know the same woman and, you know, they're working with all the same people and they're always kind of just like a split second it's apart from each other. Two sides of the same. Yeah. Coin. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a really, a really good movie. And I do want to see the, the original um, Korean version of it that, I've, you know, I know it. What's exists, the name of the original but, Korean version? Uh, Eternal Affairs. And I think that just the way Martin Scorsese directed The Departed, he it was just, he did such a good job with it. And then this is one of the movies where you don't really have, well, you have a version of a happy ending, but you get frustrated because you know that the character that you think you know deserves a happy ending, he doesn't get it. Like, he really doesn't get it. Um, but to me, it's one of those movies that you can really just watch, you know, like if you're in the mood for something fun, but also serious, you can turn that on and enjoy it. And it has a rewatchability factor that some other movies I don't think has. Um, do you have anything to, to add? About The Departed? Yeah. Um, I haven't seen it in a long time, so I don't remember it too much. I do remember that it's just being a really good movie. Um, I always remember the scene where he was texting in his pocket, and that was so impressive at the time. Now I think about it, it's really not that hard. Yeah. But at the time, I was really like, impressed by oh, that. Oh, man, what is this guy doing? He's texting yeah. his pocket. That was like a cool trick. Yeah. I was really impressed by that. I just really liked it. It was almost like a game of cat and mouse. But yeah, it's in, very light, Yagami, El, yeah. Lelouch. Yeah, and, but a two-way street because yeah. they're both the cat and the mouse at the same time. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with and that. I think that aspect of the movie... And then on top of it, just the acting. I think sometimes the acting, not sometimes, a lot of the times, you know, a lot of other things go into it, but I think a lot of times the acting can really elevate a movie, and I think that's one of the movies where the acting... Yeah, acting definitely elevated it. Really elevated it. The direction as well, but the acting really elevated it because 
Jack Nicholson was good and Leonardo DiCaprio was good and Mark Wahlberg and Matt Damon. These like they were all really good in that movie. Even all these with Bostonians like, were just killing yeah. it out there. Um so now for our quick fire round, what's up first for you? So yeah, for the rapid fire round I wanted to do let's just list our next five favorite movies. And one sentence each, why it's our favorite. So I'll go, then you go. I'll go, then you go. Okay. So for the first one, I'm going to do Perfect Blue. And I'm going to say that it was psychologically thrilling and beautiful to look at. For me, the next one is, or the first one is When Harry Met Sally because it's a perfect rom-com. Okay. Uh, Next on my list, I have Parasite. And because it is a great study of classism in the world my next one will also be parasite because it encompasses comedy horror and it is a study of again classism in the world next i have on my list is the end of evangelion and that is because it is a psychologically stressing film that studies the worst of humans and next on my list is i am not your negro because it is a documentary in its greatest form where it's not traditional and it focuses strongly on the works of James or solely on the works of James Baldwin and a fully unique way. I don't know if that was one sentence or not, but we don't count, count it. You had sentence. some commas and periods in there. <laughs> All right. For my next one, you're going to see a theme is apocalypse now. And because it is a psychologically stressing film that shows the well, worst I of humanity. I think we need to get a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> um, the next one for me is The Devil Wears Prada because it is the first film that made me love Meryl Streep. <laughs> My next film I have Goodfellas is because it is a psychological... No. It is, <laughs> um, it's a unique film that puts you in the shoes of a life you may not be used to but are intrigued by by the end of the film. For me, the next one is a two-for-one. It is the Imitation of Life 1954 version and To Kill a Mockingbird because it showcases race relations at that time and the different ways that race can play a factor in your life. Okay. And for my last one, I'm going to pick Django because it is an action-packed adventure that is endearing and unique take on the time period it's in. And for my last one, I am picking Get Out because it is a horror movie that is horrific, not only because of the things that's done, but because of the reality, I guess, of it and how horrible it is. Okay. I'm surprised I didn't mention Get Out at all. And my favorite, because Get Out is like it's literally in my top five favorite movies of all time, but it just slipped my mind. But um, you mentioned Get Out earlier too, I think. I think I did. In horrors, yeah. Yeah, I definitely did. But you know, the list is always changing and evolving depending Mm -hmm. on your mood and whatnot. So those are just some of our favorite movies, why we like them, some of our favorite genres to get to know more about us and why we're doing this. And in conclusion, I just wanted to ask, what do you want out of the podcast? going forward i mean i just want to continue i guess the way we have been where we have frank discussions about films and i think with this podcast what we've done that's different for me is that we pick something that is interesting to us and then we kind of delve deeper into it and i've never watched film i guess in that particular way Um, I've always, I mean, obviously I pick films that are interesting to me, but thinking about it from like a topical perspective, um, makes the watch different and going forward, I just want to continue on with that and then just continue to grow, um, as a podcast and, you know, maybe one day we'll have guests or, um, be able to speak to people about their favorite movies and, um, what resonates with them because I think it's interesting to get other voices as well yeah i definitely agree with that um i've had to do some like watching film from a quote-unquote critical perspective for like film class essays and whatnot but i think that we've been 
talking about films that we've watched and we approach it with a very creative eye in general that we break it down when we watch it. But going forward, I would like to improve my own personal eye on filmmaking, but also if I'm able to open up people to films that they may not usually watch and also watch them in a way that may not be typical to the average moviegoer and join the conversation with us after they see the movies that we may have either exposed them to or they may have already seen but want to get a different perspective from their own on that film. Mm -hmm. So I would like to... um. Continue to discuss films and see where we're at because we're continuing to evolve with the podcast. Podcasting is a skill in its own, and I feel that as each episode we do, we're continuing to get better. So I would like to continue to improve there as well. I agree with that. I think that as each episode goes on, we learn a little bit more and we can be just like a little bit more critical than maybe we were even in the last podcast. I fully agree. Um, so on that note, thank you for listening to this podcast. If you do like this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe um, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you're listening. And thank you. All right. Thanks, All right. everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.